Welcome back to the Flying Lion Podcast. We're here for a special episode. This is going to be our recap or wrapped version, you know, Spotify shout out uh, for the 2023 MOS season. Um, I got Zach here next to me, actually, tonight, kind of a bonus um, having Zach actually watching the CONCACAF Champions Cup draw right now for FC Cincinnati, too. So a lot going on, um, but we're excited to kind of give you a recap of this past year. Sam, I think you're macking on or right, munching on some mac and cheese, I should say. Um, is that what it was there or what are you eating? No, it was a little, little, little meat and pasta. <laughs> All right. All right. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. Um, it's crazy. We got 30 episodes under our belt. Um, that's first of all, that's that's awesome, right? Um, that we've been able to to make it this far. Um, and that's due to everybody that's been listening, shouting us out. Um, you know, on, on all platforms. Really appreciate the love that we've been getting. But um, yeah, we wanted to do a big review episode and I'm I'm ready to get down to it. Good deal. Zach, how are we doing tonight? Yeah, I I'm 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 loving Ryan's closet. It's nice <laughs> being in his closet, you know, <laughs> just full of FCC gear. I mean, his room's great here, but Let's be honest. I I agree, Sam. His uh, his um our ability to do all these podcasts is it's been a joy and a pleasure. So it's it's great talking with you guys. Great season. I mean, couldn't have been better. What what a perfect time to start a podcast, right? I was gonna say we yeah. we kind of lucked out on the season to start. You know, <laughs> um, this year compared to maybe three years ago when we were you know not so good, but. Overall on the year, um, you know, our record obviously shows in the MLS, you know, we go 25 and nine overall. We're number one at the end of this year. You know, we end up being the Supporter Shield winners as well. Um, looking at some of the other competitions, you know, we went four and one in Open Cup play. We made the semifinals. So unbelievable accomplishment. If it wasn't for a uh, certain fella who's actually, I think, right behind Zach, uh, named Lionel Messi, we might be in the finals of that and might win uh, a trophy, but that's okay. But um, Sam, do you want to touch on some of the other competitions we were in? Yeah, so obviously um, competitions-wise, you know, we were in Open Cup, um, got to the semifinals, um, and then with League's Cup, and then you had the the playoffs as well. Um, League, League's Cup. Cup didn't go as well as Open Cup, like Ryan had mentioned. Um, exited in the the round of thirty two there, which new competition, stupid rules. It is what it is, right? We're not gonna hang our season off of that. Um, but going into the playoffs, um, went three and one in the playoffs, and you know you guys know the rest. Um, lost in the semifinals there um, to a really good squad, um, but. I'd rather lose to the winners than, you know, lose to somebody that, that loses in the finals. So that's the only good takeaway from that. Yeah. I mean, I coming in from winning the supporter shield, right. You, you have to look at all the other competitions in play too, and being first in supporter shield and then getting as far as we did in all those I mean, we were pretty consistent in playoffs, I'd say. So, I mean, usually it's, it. I mean, it's not happened very often. I don't think it's not happened once to get a treble, but rarely, like we said in previous episode, there's only like a handful, maybe six, six teams who have been able to do it twice. So it's, it, it's amazing to see, honestly, we've gotten down to the semifinals in most of these, these uh, match or I guess, competitions, competitions yeah thanks. yeah no absolutely i mean for how many we had i think we touched on you know regular season you're talking open cup leagues cup and then the playoffs too and spread out from you know february all the way to december i mean that's a long time and that's a credit to the coaching staff um you know looking at some of the records that we set um you know we were tied for fourth for most points in league history actually with 69 overall um Again, it helped us to clinch our first trophy in club history, which we were pumped about, um, you know, still celebrating it to this day. Honestly, wish we had another one. It felt like we could have had another one, but again, that's all right. But like I mentioned, long season, 45 games in total, guys. So long, long time, a lot of competitions. And, you know, for only having a few people that were out for a significant amount of time through that, um, good on the training staff too. I want to say that being a healthcare guy, um, I mean, that's a credit to them as well. 
Yeah, I, I think especially, I mean, we talked about that earlier in a couple podcasts, just how long this season has been and having, you know, the championship be in December, in early December is just ridiculous. And then I'm sure towards the end of the podcast here, we're going to touch more on we're, we're back in it, you know, early February, but um, I guess late February, but um, yeah, to, to touch on kind of how we're going to do the review um, going forward, we got, we're going over roster, obviously um, going over different things like who the most improved player is young players um, as well as the biggest games um, going over biggest TIFO. And then obviously we've got our original stuff, Jersey swaps, car of the weeks, et cetera. Um, so it should be a action packed podcast here for you. Not to get like too nostalgic on everyone, but like, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that happened during the year that we can unpack, you know, over this time. Um, Zach, why don't you get us into some of the roster, um, you know, from top to bottom, we can kind of walk through at least like Sam said, um, there's a couple of big points that we wanted to touch on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a defender at heart. So I think I'll start with uh, a little bit of the C CB depth that we've, uh, or lack thereof, um, of the CB depth. We, I mean, really this season, it's been very difficult having, a consistent back line, right? I mean, we've got, I mean, three center backs, let alone finding a center back in MLS is difficult. You got to find three of them, um, plus their depth as well. Very difficult to do. And and really with, with the, um, the current depth that we have or the depth that we did have during um, the entire season, I mean, being able to rotate as well as we did and really have those, um, anchors like Mascara, Miazga, um, really drives home how impressive of a run we did um, considering our, our defense. I was going back and looking at, you know, even this time last year on, you know, who are our key pieces in the defense, like Zach said, and one of them being Jeff Cameron, who, you know, ends up not signing with FC. So, before the season, you're looking at like Nick Haglin, Ian Murphy, who we didn't really know too much about. Um, you had Miazga that was kind of more of a focal anchor point, but, you know, we signed Mascara, I think like in like February, March, like right before the season starts. And you don't know how this guy's going to be. I mean, he's alone in from this other team. He hadn't really had too much experience in Europe, um, had some experience, you know, playing in uh, Colombia, I believe. But um, yeah, to your point, I mean, people stepped up in big ways, especially in the back line. Um, and to be honest, we kind of lucked out. I'm not going to lie. Like, we could have had a major injury there early on and we would have been kind of screwed to be honest. I know we had some guys like Gaddis Powell that could play, you know, in center defense, but um, overall, I think we had a pretty lucky and good season from that standpoint. Yeah. I think the overarching theme, right. Obviously the lack of center back depth really killed us when it really meant the most, um, which was in the playoffs. Right. Um, and we had we had honestly we had been saying that since the year started. Um, having a back line of five, you, you um, when you're playing like that, I, I think midfield and center back depth are the most crucial, especially when you're playing in that for, formation. Um, and with Haglin out at the end of the year, and then I know earlier in the year, you know Murphy was taking knocks as well, and then you know Miazga at the end just it it didn't help. Um, and having to rely like Ryan said on, on right backs to play more of that center back position um, is not really a sign of a team that has too much depth. Right. So in that way, I, I think we really did get lucky um, throughout the year. And I'm, I'm completely, it's not like one of those things where it's like, if we would have had center back depth, like we could have won it, which, you know, there, there's different variables, right? Obviously Miazga is still out. And so is Haglin, right? So those are two key pieces in our back line. Who knows if we've slot another one in there, if it makes a difference. But um, yeah, I think for the most part, that was probably a glaring thing that we had all noticed, not only from the beginning of the season, but throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Um, we we could see it from the very start, like you said. And like, if we could see it, then I'm sure like, you know, the upper management could see it too. But um, where we kind of lack that in the back, Zach, like in the midfield, we had some young guys that stepped up for us in some big ways and with all the competitions that we had. Um, so I think you can kind of go into some of the young guys that we saw. Yeah, I mean, really the um, 
a couple new pieces, um, Angulo, Pinto, um, and then Halsey, I think who came up through, uh, FCC, um, too. um, with, well, I think we'll get into it a little bit more in our next topic, but I mean, Halsey has really grown into the, um, the wingback role that really Barreal and, um, Arias played all season. I think he's going to be one of our next big stars coming up. Um, I think this, this coming year, he's going to really show a lot of, and impress a lot of people, um, with that. And then hopefully with, um, you know, with, uh, who is it Moreno, you know, the depth, Mm -hmm. um, especially if we're going to change formations in the future, um, having that additional box to box midfielder is going to be crucial. So I think that depth in that midfield right there for Angulo is going to be really nice. And then, you know, Pinto, I, in my opinion, I'm not sure where he's going to fit um, in the future. I think he's got he's he's a very um, dynamic player. I think he's very flexible. He can play as an attacking player, but he can also do uh, a lot of the the role that Obi plays. Right? He's he can be a destroyer when he needs to be, but then he can also um, direct go directly at at defenders. So I think he's gonna he's gonna play a role, but I'm not sure yet where he's going to fit in. Yeah, I think you're right, but he's got good flexibility, you mm-hmm. know, and like where we can put him. And to be honest, I think he looked the most comfortable in whatever role he was kind of thrown in that being, you know, Pinto, but to Halsey's point, like he's got big shoes to fill, but you know, what better role, role models to kind of show him how to kind of progress, especially in Barial, who was a young player came up through our system Um didn't really have like a set position until he really found it this year. Um, so, you know, as we kind of get into it, most improved player, you know, Barry all absolutely. Um, and we don't really think of it because we think he's been this unbelievable player, but it's really this year where he really came out, you know, and blossomed. Um, so I would love to see that in Halsey eventually, but Sam, what other guys do you think um, either were more most improved or young guys that contributed? Yeah, so to, to touch back on the young guys, um, you had mentioned Halsey, Angulo, Pinto. Um, I wanted to add, you know, a little bit of detail into that. Um, as I, you know, end of the year review, I thought I'd go into a deep dive, right? And so um, I'm going to go player by player here. We'll, we'll start with Halsey. Um, like you guys have been saying, he showed some real promise um, on the wing for FC Cincinnati and obviously would have liked to see him get a little bit more playing time um, throughout the year. It looked like, you know, after July, August, his minutes kind of fell off a little bit. And, you know, whether that was what he was doing in training or, you know, once again, maybe Gaddis, Powell, Arias, like having it crowded on the right side didn't really him do him justice. Um, but he doesn't really play similar to Barrial at all, which is super weird because right. he had zero crosses into the penalty area this season. However, he he likes to create more chances by cutting from outside into inside. We've seen that when he did create those chances or had shots on goal or or different things like that, um, which I, I was looking at, you know, for each of these three guys, I was looking at their plus minus, um, which <laughs> I'm going to have those, right? So the plus minus tracks, you know, how well your team does when you're off or on the field, right, by goals. And so Halsey's plus minus was a plus two. So it was it was very positive whenever he was on the field we looked better and played better um and I, I really do think he needs another season like Ryan said under Arias to be a more consistent starter in the MLS um as far as Angulo goes once again very promising very you know young player needs better composure on the ball though um I, I thought sure. it was interesting <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was very interesting watching him play um, he, he showed a lot of fight, but he didn't have much composure on the ball. And so in the, in uh, what surprised me though, looking at the stats, he's actually in the 86th percentile in interceptions per game for his position, wow. which is extremely positive considering I thought at the beginning of the season, he was an awful defender. <laughs> I, I, I did not, I was like, what is, what is he doing? Because we would, we would play him, you know, lower with, Moreno and if Obi was out like he would be a sub for for Obi or you know and I was like oh my gosh like he actually is is terrible but um he actually had one assist this season um which it was interesting that this this whole season his um expected goals was higher than his expected assists even though he had one assist and one no assist. goals 
<laughs> yeah, I thought I thought that was that was interesting. interesting. But um, his his success rate for take ons was third best on the team with seventy five percent. So that was positive. Um, the only not positive thing was his actually plus minus. It was actually minus two. We were actually worse with Angulo on the field than when he was on the field. So once again, not quite ready to be an everyday starter. Um, but if he works on his game, game scenarios, almost type composure, I, I think he has a chance to be a key piece in that 24 season. Um, Here's a young do you want me to, do you want me to come on to Pinto? You want me to like keep going or <laughs> you got a lot of stats, man. I love it. I do. I do. I told, so just to, just to recap on these three young guys with Pinto, once again, not really like a flashy player, right? But he, he got the job done this season and stats don't really do him justice, to be honest with you, if you're looking at it. I mean, he was a very active player in the midfield when we, you know, he did sub in 87% pass accuracy is ridiculous. Wow. Six shot creation uh, actions in 22 games. So pretty good on that. And then you have 11 tackles, 10 blocks in 22 matches. The, once again, the guy was everywhere offensively and defensively. He had a, a plus two, um, plus minus. Um, but I, I think this next season, he could slowly play his way into more minutes. Good recap for like all three. Um, I mean, that that's definitely like a good look at guys that we're looking at for next year, um, playing big roles, you know, kind of to go through, um, you know, to look a little bit ahead. Mourinho right now is out of contracts. So we don't even know if he's going to be back. So at least Angulo and Pinto might play key, uh, crucial roles, I should say. So, um, moving on though, I mean, we had some big games guys this year, um, real quickly, some that came to mind. I mean, the hell is real part one against the crew. We finally win that game in unbelievable fashion. You get the save of the year by Roman Celentano in the last minute, like right in front of us, Sam. So awesome to see that. Um, next one for me, you know, obviously winning our first trophy in Toronto, maybe it's not like the game itself, but actually it's kind of interesting. You know, we needed to pull out a result in that case and Bupenza shows up in a big way and scores a goal, but it was a little bit shakier than we wanted it to be for the opponent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit scary for the opponent. Um, and then the other one that I wanted to point on is just a big win at home against Philly. You know, I mean, that's the team that had been proven in a playoff setting. We lost to them last year in the playoffs. So for us to beat them at home like that, um, for me, that was a big game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, like you said, those are the three big ones. And then really, unfortunately, the the biggest one of the season was the one that really mattered, right? The one with Hell is yeah. Real, but conference final, right? So yeah, we all know how that ended, but Sam, what's your take? Yeah, I think obviously those are going to, those big key moments, key games um, that stand out and they're in their own category. Um, but I wanted to touch on two games that, kind of fly under the radar as far as big games, important games that were momentum shifters for the rest of the season. And they actually came in back-to-back -back weeks. And so <laughs> first one um, that I was looking at was to your point, Ryan, against the Philadelphia union back in April, April 8th at home, when we beat them one Oh, um, and kind of avenged our, our 2022 playoff loss against them. And I thought in that game, we dominated that game and, you know, we would then go on to be undefeated in the 2023 season against them, right? With only one draw when we played them at at Philly. Um, and then the second game was the game seven days, or I guess six days after that against St. Louis City. I thought that was a big game as well because- Don't remind me about that one. <laughs> Don't remind me. humbled that game, right? 5-1, yeah. and it was just absolutely demoralizing. And that was the moment in which- the FC Cincinnati teams of the past could have just withered away. And yeah, you know, the rest of the season would have just been mediocre, right? Instead, FC Cincinnati would not have a loss for 10 straight games after that. I was going to say that. Yeah. Two and zero. Right. Like that's, that's what stood out to me as far as, okay, these were moment defining games for the rest of the season. Good point. I mean, especially, I mean, you win supporter shield, so you're the best team in the MLS. Well, what do you have to do? You have to win and you have to be consistent. Um, so good shout on that, especially because, I mean, I had to pull up the schedule to remind myself. I think we had a run, Sam, like you said, about, what, 10 or 12 games in a row where we didn't even have a loss. So, I mean, talk about getting yeah, hot at the right time. 
Um, I'm going to say this now because I told Zach this earlier, but like the crew got hot at the right time and they win the cup. That's why a tournament is that way, right? You get hot at certain times in the season. If we would have played MLS cup, you know, April through June, we would have been the champs. Um, so, you know, there, there's something to that, I think, and how teams go on runs. Um, but, but good shout because that definitely kind of turned the table for us to win the shield like we did. Um, moving on, you know, from games, though, in those big games, we had some big TIFOs, too. So, again, for those not familiar, you know, the supporters section puts up these giant, uh, what do you call them, like, artwork really is what I would say, but sheet signs, I mean, whatever it is to create this beautiful piece of art to kind of signify what we're going for in those specific games. So um, Zach, you want to walk us through at least like the first couple, if you want. Yeah. So, excuse me, the, uh, the first, I mean, in my opinion, the, the best is the strength and unity one from the home opener. That thing was magnificent. It was beautiful. It was, it was large. I, I think that was the one where, correct me if i'm wrong was that the uh the, i think they all had gary on it let's be honest yeah i think and that one was, actually was more of the players but he was like the focal point with it too. yeah yeah um but but really i think the um the other really neat one was the uh the crew game where he was coming out of the uh <laughs> the crack in the in the yeah. in the floor i guess so to speak with the the hell beneath you right. you know he's he's coming out with the with the sword but you know i I don't even remember the Miami Open Cup one because I was not. That's right. I was not present. You were in Italy, I think. I was. You're on yeah. your way, at least. Right. Um, but Sam and I can talk about that one. Um, unbelievable TIFO. Um, you know, for that one, it's the Cincinnati Cobra, Cobra Kai. Uh, not necessarily Cobra Kai, I should say, but the Cincinnati Cobra. Um, Ezra Charles, you know, the boxer. And uh, mm-hmm. taking it to Miami. I mean, that really started us off. We had a 2-0 lead. I don't want to talk about the rest of that game, but... Um, yeah, I mean, we see, you know, one of the world's best soccer players, maybe even of all time. And we kind of highlight one of Cincinnati's main athletic, you know, feats in Ezra Charles. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and then the, the New York Red Bulls one is kind of an underrated one. It's the biggest TIFO I've ever seen at TQL, but takes up almost the entire, you know, length of the Bailey super tall too. And you get the smoke coming out with it pretty good looking Gary yeah, um, from I, that game. I totally forgot that the, I was afraid the rigging would probably fail just with how massive that was. Cause it took a while. For it's, it to... it's happened. It's happened before we've seen it happen. That's before. true. What hell is real part one. I think, um, yeah. you know, early on in yeah, the season, yeah. I think half of it didn't even like go up on the side, but yeah, it was a little awkward, yeah. but they got it um, right later to on. Put my take. <laughs> yes. Yes. To put my take on the the best TIFO of, of this season, um, you know, all of these obviously were obvious on impactful games, um, being first home game, crew games, Messi coming to town, different things like that. Um, but uh, Ryan, I, I think you selling the Red Bulls one as underrated is a little like a little weird because that's that's actually my favorite because Aren't... not only you have the lion holding a flaming sword, but from the depths we rise like that's that's pretty cool and then to your point this is the biggest fc cincinnati tifo to date like this thing was huge and it like it gave me vibes of european soccer so yeah i I think that one was definitely my favorite of the season well when you see a photo of it and you're not familiar like maybe you're like a normal cincinnatian and like you don't really know much about fc and you see that and you're like where in Cincinnati is that, you know, like, where are we? And you're right, Sam, it feels like a German game or something. Um, Just really good work by our supporters. Um, I would love to get out to a supporter drawing, you know, just to support and to actually contribute, you know, because we see it every support time. The supporters? We go, but what's that, Sam? Support the supporters. Support the supporters, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on from TIFOs, though. I mean, this can kind of go in with the TIFOs like we're talking about with supporters, but home field advantage. I mean, just unbelievable this year. Um, I found a stat that we hosted over 500,000 fans. We had 18 different sellouts. Um, just unbelievable. We had three playoff games at home. You know, last year we didn't even have a single one. We played big games like the U.S. Open Cup um, as well, you know, against Messi, 
Um, so our supporters showed out. I think the fan base is growing in Cincinnati too for the team. Um, but the 18 sellouts I think is pretty impressive, even on Wednesday night games when it didn't matter in June, you know, like everyone showed out and there's now a waiting list for, you know, to be an actual uh, season ticket member. So it tells you how interested people are, um, you know, in this team. Um, real quickly, I just, I don't think we even had it kind of in our, our rundown, but, you know, awards just real quickly, we've done a full segment on awards, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but this is the most I've ever seen a team have awards from top to bottom. I mean, this week, uh, shout out Chris Albright gets executive of the year in the MLS. So another one to coach of the year, executive of the year, MLS player of the year, defender of the year, you know, unbelievable season from top to bottom. Um, this is why we brought Albright and Noonan in and they become the best people in that category in the whole MLS, you know, in two seasons. Hashtag team of the year. Team of the year, man. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. That's what it is. That's what it is. But um, Sam, anything you want to add about that? Yeah, I, I, I'm i glad you touched on Chris um, because I, I think, you know, he's he's done. He, he, these All these GMs are, they're so behind the scenes, right? Especially when it comes to MLS because in, in different sports, you have NBA, you have NFL, you have, you know, MLB where like you kind of know the certain GMs, right? Because they're uh, either a former player or a household name. These guys that are in MLS, like they're just behind the curtain, right? right? And it's so fantastic. And he's done a phenomenal job. Um, him and Pat coming over both from Philly have kind of brought that energy over to FC Cincinnati and that, that winning culture. Um, and it's definitely something that FC Cincinnati deserves and the city of Cincinnati deserves is to get back to just winning, right. Yeah. Being in the conversation every year. And I, I think that's, that's going to go, you know, generation over generation. Like that's, that's leaps and bounds to what yeah. we were used to with FC Cincinnati. So very happy with, with what we're at, where we're at, you know, right you got now. the right people in the building. I think that was the biggest thing for me is like experienced people in the MLS compared to like the Dutch before that didn't know anything about it. Guys that have been proven winners in Albright and Noonan who have won like as players have won like in their front office positions. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a coaching staff that, you know, Pat's new as a coach, but personally had won. You have Dom Kinnear, one of the winningest coaches in MLS history in his own right. Um, you know, you have Kenny Arena, you know, whose dad is unbelievable coach, but Kenny gets overshadowed too. I mean, we just had a top to bottom great year. I mean, I don't want to cry right now, but <laughs> I hope this isn't the peak. I don't think it is. As long as those guys are here, we're going to keep winning. Um, so I'm really excited for 2024, but I think that was a pretty good review, you know, at least for this past year. Um, guys, I have a trivia question though. Yuya Kuba gets extended um, this week. So this is kind of a, a Yuya Kubo inspired, you know, trivia question. Um, but for you guys here, uh, where does Yuya Kubo rank in appearances for FC Cincinnati? And then what about for sub appearances too? Because um, more, you know, this year he's kind of in a sub role. But um, Zach, I'll start with you. You know, that, that's such a loaded question. Um, I'm going to go total appearances include like, all competitions. I'm going to say, we'll say 25. 25th overall in the club history. Club history. Yeah. Just like, oh. like in, where does he rank in that? Oh man. We'll say, actually, I'm going to go, I'll go number 10. Okay. Sam, what about you? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go appearances. He's been with us for a, a while. I'm going to go like three. Third. Okay. Anyone want to take a jab at where he is in sub appearances at all with subs? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yeah. I mean like this year with his role, where do you think he stacks compared to past years? MLS mainly, I mean, is what we're comparing. I'll probably move up to five. Okay. Same. He's, he's first. He's got the most subs. Okay. All right. Find out at the so end of the episode, like... we're going to go to our break here. Word from our sponsor. We'll be right back with you guys. So Agility is a technology-driven soccer training facility. So we offer six facets of training. Uh, that would be Tech Touch uh, with ball launchers that work on your first touch, the TSZ, 
which is the ESA equipment and working on decision making. We also have a circuit. Uh, circuit training would be taking the ESA equipment to the next level. It's kind of like a soccer obstacle course. Then we offer neuroscience training with our reflection tools, uh, working on processing things a little bit faster, hand-eye coordination and such. Uh, we offer skills classes, which is your typical corporate skills training. Um, lots of people still enjoy that, so we work on a lot of attacking 1v1 skills. And then we also offer athlete development. So our athletes come here and they work on speed, agility, uh, quickness, explosive movements, really just learning how to move and function a little bit better as an athlete. Welcome back to the Flying Lion Podcast, everyone. Thanks for listening to our sponsor. We're doing a big review, um, you know, of FC Cincinnati's awesome 2023 year uh, that was kind of a cool segment we've been doing all year long was our jersey swap of the week. Um, we've been keeping note of our jersey swaps, so we're going to kind of break down, you know, each person's jersey swap of the year, and then we're going to kind of back up why we support that or maybe not. And if that kind of lines with maybe our favorite player of the year. Um, so going with mine, I mean, to nobody's surprise, uh, Luciano Acosta was my um, overall Jersey swap of the year um, MVP of the league, but week to week was just our most, most important player, you know, would have huge goals and big moments. Um, but I really think that Lucho stepped up this year as captain um, and was everything that we needed him to be. Um, led the league, uh, I believe, in goal contributions, you know, with goals and assists. But um, Lucho was my jersey swap of the year. I hope to get that MVP jersey, though. Um, that would be incredible. Just maybe in gold or something like that with the, the lettering and the number. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think Lucho is, was, like, just in, incredible, right? Um, my jersey swap of the year – um, was actually Barrial. So at the age of 23 years old, he was arguably one of the top five most important players for his team in the MLS up there with, with Lucho. Um, he was tied for first in the MLS with matches played. Um, had he played one more game, which would have been the final, he would have had the most um, in the MLS. So that's a little unfortunate, but um, had 11 goal contributions, um, 219 crosses, 98 more than the second most on the team, um, which was Lucho. So that was pretty wow. crazy. Wow. That's um, impressive. Top 10 in total attacking assists in the MLS, second on the team in shot scoring actions with, with 116, second on the team in tackles with 50, and then he actually led the team in blocks with 52. So after four years at FC Cincinnati, he actually became the player um, that, you know, very rarely players become year after year. So definitely a world-class talent without a doubt. Side note on him. I know you guys all want to know. He ended up being second in the league in throw-ins. Big, yeah. important stat we've been following all year long. Second most throw-ins in the entire MLS this year. I'm Where was the confetti that. after after he broke it? Like <laughs> <laughs> Sam, um, I was going to real quickly say um, I shouted out Lucho as my Jersey swap of the week, five different times. How many times did you uh, have Barrial? I had four, four for Barrial. Okay. Zach, what about you? Yeah. So I, I was going to say, I mean, let's just keep the um, players of the year rolling. I chose the lovely defender of the year, uh, Matt Miazga. Um, I, I think he was pivotal on the defense. He really held that back line. Um, really really grew to be that captain um, when, when obviously Lucho was not available. So he, he took that role. Um, I love his attitude. He's really passionate or, you know, he might have other problems, but you know, he's, he's our guy, right? So we, we have to support him. Um, we're, we're, we're behind him and we really, really hope that um, he sticks with us. And, you know, he, he, um, doesn't get those yellow cards like like he should be but yeah you know i'm i'm hoping that in the future um murphy um some of these newer up and coming cbs that we we might be getting um you know i think kip keller's been getting, been talked about a little bit um i i hope that they can learn from matt and really you know be that brick wall that we've we've been needing on the back 
So with, with that being said, you know, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time. I know it's kind of opposite. Sam did all the notes for me this week. I did not take any notes, but I ended up making this lovely graphic, which will be out on all platforms, X, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, you name it, wherever it's, wherever we are, it'll be. Um, so really I wanted to break it down a little bit, um, just based off stats. So Ryan, as we, as we, as we've noted, um, chose Lucho as our, uh, as his, uh, I guess, player of the year, mm-hmm. for, so to speak. Um, overall, I mean, he had, was that, is that 10, 10 overall, um, over the year Jersey swaps between Ryan, Sam and I, um, second Barrial. So it's kind of playing into what, what we've chosen right now. So Barrial had, uh, looks like I think eight. eight. Yeah. So it's really, I mean, we're following the, following the lead. Miazga comes in, you know, defender of the year. It's hilarious. He, he gets only one nomination all year. <laughs> it's like, where does that come from? You know, <laughs> makes no sense for what, how well he was doing. Um, and, and a couple other, just like brief notes that I'd like to call out. Um, Sam's first Lucho nomination is kind of, it's, it's kind of wild that your first nomination for him was episode 16 back on August 30th. So it, we went, I think I stole him from you, Sam, <laughs> we went a full 16 weeks or so without Sam nominating Lucho <laughs> impressive stuff. Um, next mascara mascara's first nomination was by me. And surprisingly, that took a full 20 weeks. That was on episode 20, um, September 30th. So, okay. I mean, we've had him all year. We knew how he was playing. Um, and, and, and on the full list of players, Mascara came, looks like fifth overall on all players nominated. So that's pretty neat. Um, and then really some surprising call outs was um, – Moreno since uh, so these these are all stats since 520 um since we started our podcast episode 1 which was the first Hell is real match um Moreno had had 19 starts not a single nomination um and and really surprisingly I mean Cincinnati legend Nick Haglin he had 14 starts since 520 not a single nomination That's kind of sad um and then it <laughs> I quickly think, I drops think Nick to what's that i think nick Hag- i think nick Haglin had more cards of the week than I <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's fair uh and, and you know it really quickly drops after Haglin. it goes ordonez two and santos one which surprisingly santos i'm, I'm kind of shocked he didn't get one with yeah um some of the games he had but yeah that's that's a brief overview um we'll, we'll be sending this um out to all platforms like i said be on the lookout pretty interesting um uh, kind of one that I don't think you touched on. You know, we had Acosta as one, Barrial as two. Guys, we had Bupenza as our third most jersey swaps of the week with six. Um, so, I mean, he did show up in big moments and big games. So maybe that's why, you know, we had him on there. You guys can laugh at me all you want from the last one that I had on that. It counts towards the list and that put him at third. So just kind of interesting there. Um, but really cool breakdown. Again, I think this is a cool segment. We're going to continue it into next year, um, but uh, we'll, we'll kind of go to the reverse side. We didn't do an overall you know, overview of card of the year, um, but we're going to do kind of overall like trends or cards that we kind of think kind of, you know, go in with the whole MLS season. So um, Sam, I'll, I'll start with you actually. Um, what was your card of the year? Yeah. Card of the year. Um, just looking over the, the course of the year um was looking at all my card of the weeks to see what frustrated me the most um and i think significance added to it but um <clears throat> my card of the year is going to be miazga's suspension i think during that first round game um just to summarize new york red bulls um miazga gets two yellows that made him unavailable for the second round of the playoffs um, the first was arguing with the referee about the no call um, and the disallowed goal. The second was blowing kisses and just showing love to the Red Bulls fans. Um, but then after the match, um, news came out that Miazga went after the refs following the game. 
And then there was no information given for multiple weeks after that, um, which the MLS then stalls on the decision until three days before the conference finals and then gives him a three-game suspension and a fine for his misconduct. So almost a full month goes by before we had a full decision, um, and it was just a ridiculous joke of a decision. Yeah, I mean, if you look at how the end of the year, you know, pretty much ended up and how it's real, like he's the deciding person and not having him in there is the reason why, in my opinion, like we lost that game. We're up two goals, but if you have Miazga and his overarching, you know, ability to yell at people and get people where they need to be, then it's a different story. So um, as a kind of sour taste in your mouth, I think that makes sense for your card of the year for sure. Zach, I'll go to you next though. What was your card of the year? Yeah, I think really roster restrictions is my my biggest pet peeve at the moment um i think it's really restricting the entire league um as a matter of fact i think um right now so we've got so many games there's it's kind of tying into eventually ryan's but really i mean just the heaviness of the scheduling the um there's no actually international break um so why do we call it that i don't know but the fact that we play through the entire year with no real break, um, heavily rotated rosters, I think injecting, being able to inject more money into the the teams, into the rosters, I think we'll have better product on the field and better depth to where you won't have kind of the mid-season drag that right. you tend to see within MLS. And I think really at I think it would help most teams, if not all teams. Um, it, I don't. I wouldn't say it's like a very big card, but it, it's something that I think would help improve the the league as a whole. Um, uh, here, uh, Ryan's given me a uh, this will be a yellow card, yellow card of the year. Um, and and in fact, I think really with the the heavy workload, um, I think it draws to the fact too that we need to possibly introduce um, more DPs. Yeah. Um, kind of inject more talent into the teams. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. That, that's really, really a gist of it. I, I would totally agree. And I think you're right. Like it's going to draw into what I'm going to say as well. Um, I mean, my card of the year again, ties into Zach's um, really overall theme. Like, as we've said in multiple weeks of MLS scheduling, um, you know, having a full month, you know, between games and the MLS playoffs where teams kind of get cold between games, um, you know, having these different tournaments throughout the year that have been added, but not having the roster, you know, capabilities to adjust to those um, or to even match to be able to play at that level. Right. Um, so really, in a lot of ways, this is an impressive year for what we did, like we're saying, but we had so many restrictions and limitations put on us. Um, the MLS has just got to be more consistent about this. And then with all these other made up rules and like, you know, Tam Gam, you know, we don't really know how much money we have or not international spots. I mean, it's just like, it's like playing Monopoly. It really is just like Monopoly, right? Um, where are your assets and what money do you have and what fun money do we get to spend this year? Um, but really following it like we have this year has really made us kind of look at that as an overarching theme. You guys are probably sick of us talking about it every week too, but um, you know, I, I think it just adds to the fact that we're frustrated by it. And I think they're starting to look at changes and hopefully that'll be made um, in this off season. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't wait until that full podcast episode where we sit down and we try and restructure everything that is the MLS. Um, and then after that, we'll stop doing this podcast. The MLS is going to have to hire us um, because they're going to love our ideas so much. And unfortunately, you know, maybe we continue the podcast for allowed to, but I, that, that's just the foreseeable future. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, when that podcast comes out, that episode, it may be the last one. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know, but that's, <laughs> I'm looking forward to to restructuring the entire MLS because I'm I'm with you guys. Like, red there's a lot of things. Oh, red car. Oh, you, oh, okay. Yeah, show that for me. Passionate. Yeah. Um, 
red card for that one. But yeah, I, I think I, I'm with you guys on that. Um, there's a lot of things that needs to be done, and there's definitely better ways to to go about it. Yeah, we'll see what they do. I mean, there's rumors about a fourth DP spot. I think in upcoming episodes, we're going to talk about you know possible transfers in and out, and we can go into more depth with that. But at least um, moving on, you know, from that, I think that's a good point to move on from. This isn't really a downer episode, you know, let's bring it back up the upcoming year. We got a lot to look forward to. Um, There is a decent amount of players that are kind of in limbo, which makes me a little worried, but um, at least we got, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, one piece yesterday and you Yakubo coming back for next year um, with the option for 2025. Um, Yuya is going to be a huge player for us with all these competitions that we're going to be in next year, but just provided so much depth to us. Um, overall, you know, he didn't really have the flashy stats, but anytime he came in, like the fans loved him. We loved his effort that he put in. I mean, being blue collar type mentality, you know, we love that. Um, guys, I think I'm going to keep going with recapping some of the other, you know, negotiating ones, but Arias, um, you know, out of contract or had his option decline. Ray Gaddis, you know, kind of in limbo as well. Uh, Dominic Baji had kind of been rumored to want more minutes. So we'll kind of see where that goes. Um, again, like we talked about earlier, Junior Mourinho, um, Sam, this is, I think would be a good time to kind of touch on him. If you want to real quickly, you were telling us about his plus minus um, <laughs> shoot it out, man. Tell us how valuable this guy is. Cause right now he's out of contract, but. Yeah. So just to, to give a little insight on, on Moreno, I know we were looking at Twitter too and, People are like kind of in limbo of like, oh, we don't need him. Um, and <clears throat> which is crazy to say because this season he played 29 games, which was tied for the most in his MLS career. Um, and so he was actually in the 89th percentile in non penalty goals, which is actually pretty funny. Um, but then he was in the 97th percentile in pass completion percentage for his position. Wow. Um, with with that pass complete completion percentage, um, it was at ninety percent, which is four percent more than he had last year. So he not only improved on the field, but obviously statistically as well. And then his plus minus to, to Ryan's point um, was plus eighteen this year, um, which last year was plus fourteen. So he moved up on that as well. So touching on that, Moreno is a great midfield piece and brings veteran presence. I think the only thing that people have question marks about is his fluidity, right? We saw the ups and downs throughout the season. And I think that's just what you're going to get from him. But I I definitely think he should be re-signed. And like I said, great veteran piece to have in the middle there. Sam for Mourinho 2024. Don't sleep on him. (laughs) I think, I think you guys are both right. I mean, Mourinho was kind of an underrated piece in a midfield that was dominated by studs with OB and Lucho. Um, So I I think he would be a good familiar piece, especially if, you know, if you want to say our defense is our weak spot and let's say FC Cincinnati, you know, goes to a four, four, two, two strikers, four midfielders and four defenders with a diamond formation in the midfield. That's one extra midfielder. We could use an extra midfielder in Mourinho. Um, you know, and now with Kubo re-signing too for depth wise, um, you know, we'll touch on the roster stuff next week, but um, I, I think he is an important piece, but thank you for the stats, Sam. That was great. Um, moving on to Mascara, you know, we had him on loan from um, Wolverhampton. Um, sounds like at least there's reports out today that the Wolves are looking to possibly have him go somewhere in Europe for a loan, maybe the championship, but if that falls through, it sounds like the MLS is going to be potentially an option again for a loan. Um, I loved Mascara this year. I thought his speed as a center defender was just unbelievable and his track down. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times did we see him just chase down these guys that we're not going to see Miazga or Haglin do, you know? Absolutely. So we really needed him, especially against some of these really quick attackers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, from his standpoint, I think that kind of touches on the guys that we're negotiating with. We'll say Saranara to uh, Harrison Robledo, you know, one of the, uh, I guess, Sam, would you say a, a friend of the pod in some ways? Sam actually had some connections to Harrison, but 
Um, you know, we wish him luck in his next endeavors. He didn't really have too many minutes with us. I think he had a couple games in U.S. Open Cup. Um, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, so Harrison, he was loaned out to Indy 11 this past season, which he played 30 matches, had a goal, had two assists. Um, kind of a, a fringe young wing player on the FC Cincinnati roster, um, and it just didn't look like he fit into Pat's system. Um, obviously, with the wingers playing more of a defensive style, um, in which that may be just due to, to Barrial and the way he played. He played better in that position, so we couldn't really have any more wingers. Um, so he didn't really fit into the system and wasn't really much room for him on the roster. But, yeah, I wish him the best of luck. Um, he's going to find a spot somewhere in professional soccer. Um, it's only a matter of time. But, yeah, for the rest of the guys that we're negotiating with, I, I think – the, the top three right now, if we were to just put, you know, names on the a top three list would be Arias and then Mascara and then Moreno. Those are my in order, probably top three. And then you have Baji and Gaddis underneath them. So you're leaving out. Did you say Arias? Yeah. I think you said Arias. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Would you? I, I, I was going to say, I, I would probably change the order from, a little bit i'd probably want mascara over arias um but honestly i want them all yeah like it'd be great yeah, the, to have all of them back yeah, the, yeah yeah the only the only reason i say arias over mascara is because of the veteran presence and i think we could easily get a veteran or a solid center back instead of mascara whereas if you bring arias back he's not only been there, done that as a veteran, but he's also able to show Halsey what to do, show, you know, how, what to like these right. other guys that are right behind him. Well, he's played at the can... highest level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and look at how valuable he was in playing like Messi, And now with Luis Suarez coming potentially to enter Miami too, like we've had a player that has seen these guys from other leagues that can match up at, on a defensive level that we really haven't had before. Um, maybe you'd say Miazga playing overseas. Um, but yeah, I, I think Arias is a good shout for that. Um, so we'll see how these kind of shake out. I think we're already getting some of uh, at least the initial roster moves this mm -hmm. week um, with free agency opened up, you know, today at 1 PM um, one rumor that we already have. So I'm going to channel my inner Jason Kelsey and in, in their podcast, but new news um, is Kip Keller, you know, rumored to be going to the old FC, like Zach likes to say, um, center back depth. Um, he played for Austin in two years. He's had 17 games. Um, I think from seeing some of the Austin fans reaction, like they didn't utilize him as much as they potentially could have. This guy was high up on the list during the 2022 uh, MLS draft. I mean, we had Salentano and then Kip Keller right up there uh, for pieces that we wanted to bring in. And I think Pat still looked at him and said, Hey, we can develop Murphy, you know, like we did. Let's do the same with Kip Keller. I mean, we had him higher up on our board. So I would love to see uh, him step in, you know, to a better role um, with us than he was with Austin. But Sam, what were your initial thoughts about Kip Keller? Yeah, I, I think same thoughts. Um, you know, when we initially played Austin, um, what was it last year, early last year when we got beat handily, I think too. Um first game first game of the season. Yeah. Yeah. First um, game of the year, four or five, yeah. five or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was it was bad. But I think he was one of those guys that it was like, okay, like he's a good young piece. And then I think this past season it he kind of fell off to your point, Ryan. I think they didn't really use him as well. Um, and it looked like Austin wasn't the same season that they had been prior. No, um, so I, I feel like that was full team. So I don't know if that was just, you know, for him, one player, um, but it, it seemed like it was full team for Austin. And unfortunately, you know, they, they let him go, which all right, trade us, trade us him. That's, that's fantastic. Um, that, that adds almost to nothing our in the trade, by the way. Exactly. That adds to our first bullet point at yeah. the beginning of, of center back depth. Right. So you know, we're already adding that as like the first move of the off season. Um, so I'm not going to go back in time and say, I wish we would have taken him because I would rather have well, Celentano yeah. right now um, yeah, without a doubt point. for sure. But yeah, 
we only gave up like a, I think third round pick in the MLS draft this year for Kip. Like he's still on a generation Adidas contract. So like you almost eat up no contract space for us. Go ahead, Sam. You know, what's funny is people that are listening are probably like, I didn't even know there was a third round to the MLS draft. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just two rounds. I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't realize there was a third. I think Murphy, we got in the second round out of Duke, but. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, well, I think just the fact that you said Pat sees something, I think it it's a matter of Cincinnati's Academy, the Ohio Academy is much yeah. better than Texas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I think, I think there's, there's better room for uh growth here than there is Texas. Their team won. I think, correct me if I'm wrong in this, their team won the MLS next pro tournament though. And Kip Keller was a piece. Yeah. Austin did. So he was a piece on that roster. Um, I don't think that was a couple, uh, two years ago. I think so. Yeah. But I I think that he might've been a part of some of those games with that team, but um, he he signed on a first team contract here. Like I think they're going to develop him into a center back, you know, at this level Um, besides Kip though, you know, and next episode we'll talk about other future transfers, but Besides Kip's announcement, like I had mentioned earlier in the pod, um, Zach and I are watching the draw for the 2024 Champions Cup. Um, this is a tournament that's going to be starting up actually in February. So, guys, we only have like a month and a half, two months before this starts. But uh, the draw came out, and FC Cincinnati has drawn Cavalier FC, right? which Zach had done his research on. It's been a team that is in the Jamaican Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, they won back in 2021. They were runners-up last year. So to begin the year, FC Cincinnati gets to go south and go warm, um, which means that maybe FC fans get to go check out Jamaica, which would be pretty cool. Um, they have a home and away set up for the first round. So um, the Cavalier FC, you know, don't be mistaken for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, they'll be traveling from Jamaica up to very cold Cincinnati in February for a home match with, uh, you know, season ticket holders. Check your emails because you get that game included. That is very uh, true. So we'll be getting to see a Jamaican team play uh, in Cincinnati, which will be pretty cool. So just another new thing that we just found out about, you know, within the past, what, half an hour here? Yeah. So quite quite literally while we were recording. Yep. And, and I'm hoping yeah. Alice Powell will give us some insider info. Yeah, I was. Now let us know how this Cavalier FC team is. We're gonna DM him and kind of see what's going on with that. But yeah, some in, inside information. But that I, I think that'll be a good little homecoming for him to be back at home um, in Jamaica playing there. Um, but yeah, the really cool thing I, I think other the other tournaments don't have is like the winner of this cup reaches the FIFA Club World Cup. Mm-hmm. So. I think it'll be really cool to see FC Cincinnati compete against not only the teams, you know, in the Americas, but also around the world and Europe and everywhere else. Can you imagine? I mean, like Sam's saying in this tournament, there's a chance for us to play the likes of Real Madrid, Manchester City, Bayern Munich. You know, we support our local Cincinnati team, but potentially are playing them in a real competition, not just a friendly I mean, that would be incredible. So Zach asked me this question earlier, Sam. I'm going to ask you now on the spot here. <laughs> Does Pat Noonan value the Champions Cup higher than some of the other competitions because of what you're saying? Uh, I don't. One game at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if we're talking about Pat specifically, no, no. Yeah, Pat's, Pat's one game at a time, like, yeah whatever the next game is, if it's a cup, if it's the elite game, like that's his focus. Right. However, like what should he be focused on? Probably winning MLS cup next and then going from there. Um, Obviously we've talked about the difference between shield and MLS cup and how shield means more, et cetera. So MLS cup, I think nationally would, we would, we would get more, favorability if we were to win MLS cup rather than a champions cup that not a lot of Americans really know too much about. Right. It's just like another tournament. Um, so that's, that's kind of my take on that. Jack, real quickly. What do you think? I, I would say honest, 
I think I get what you're saying, Sam, but you have, I mean, every other country that's in on this, which are massive soccer fans, right? So they would, not that we're ever going to like hear about it or whatever from them, but they're going to know about FC Cincinnati when they're winning the Champions Cup, right? Right. May not be Americans, but I mean, you'll see them. I mean, Americans are going to be like, wow, they're playing European teams, like. That must mean that they're good, right? Yeah. So well, I, I would, when, when I would say that, that would yeah, I would say that would just be like the line though. Like right. I don't think they would watch after that. Like I think yeah, us as FC Cincinnati fans would watch it and we'd be like, oh my god, this is crazy. But I think people that would be the line of like, oh well, that's cool. And then they'd they'd go back to doing whatever. Whereas if they win MLS Cup, it's like holy crap, like they were the best team you know, throughout the whole year, whatever they want MLS Cup to mean. I think that it just means more nationally. Yeah, nationally for sure. Internationally to have that recognition, you know, like Seattle Sounders this past year was one game away from playing Real Madrid. I mean, to get your club to that level in exposure wise um, would get people interested in this club Maybe even to the Flying Line podcast, you know, maybe we uh, we travel over for a, a little Club World Cup action. Uh, be pretty cool. But uh, closing out this episode again, thanks for everyone for our you know support of us this year. Um, we started this podcast just you know wanting to talk about the team that we love, and it turned into one heck of a year, guys. Um, we had tons to talk about throughout. I think we've recapped it pretty well. Um, on this episode but you know I've been really fortunate to have you guys join you know this year and doing this Um, it's been awesome one final you know trivia question and answer here for you it's funny that it's about Yuya Kubo of all things it's like (laughs) kind of funny but um, again the question for uh, the trivia of the week was where does Yuya Kubo rank in appearances for FC Cincinnati and what about like the sub appearances potentially as well? And I think Zach for appearances had locked in 10, mm-hmm. 10th in the ranking. And Sam, I believe you said third. Yeah. Okay. So Kubo ranked fourth overall in MLS appearances. Sam, you were real close. Zach, you were you're there, I think, in the realm, but um <laughs> He has 116 appearances for the club, oh, geez. Um, which I thought was amazing. He's only been here since 2020, but 116 appearances um, for, I think, subs. Zach, you said fifth, mm-hmm. and Sam, you locked in one, and Sam actually nailed it. We're going to end the year on a good note with this. Sam, Yu Yakubo is tied with Brandon Vasquez for most sub appearances in FC Cincinnati history. Um, he's going to overtake that next year. I can guarantee that. Um, because I think he's a good player. I think he's starting level, like fringe kind of, you know, but he's going to be good depth for us. Like we said. Um, but I, I thought, I just thought that was kind of interesting. No, I, I, in my opinion, I'm just going to call you out on this. Kubo's starting on any other team. Yeah, it's true. Let's be honest. Yeah. I I think he's a starter on most teams. I would say. Yeah. But Hey, Sam, I think that's your first, uh, trivia question that you've gotten, right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess I got that. I get a half point, right? Because it was, I guess, two two questions. So I only get a half point on that one. But sure. I do think it is funny, Ryan. You mentioned that he's tied with Vasquez for sub appearances, and their careers have kind of flip flopped. Where Vasquez sure. started more on the bench, and that's where he got his sub appearances. And then Vasquez came the starter. Kubo started out as the starter, goes more to the bench, and gets more sub appearances. So I, I think that's very that's interesting. Funny. Yeah. And career trajectories too. Like Vasquez is getting more, you know, U.S. international team appearances. Kubo was with Japan internationally and now hasn't really done that much lately, but he's kind of found his like sweet spot in MLS, I think. Um, and the season recap review about Yuya Kubo. <laughs> Just kind of funny. But um, yeah, guys, again, thanks for, you know, everything this year. It's been awesome. Um, for those who, have, again, listen, we appreciate it. We're going to have good content through the off season. Like we've kind of talked about, we'll be doing, I think a transfer rundown um, of players that we'd like to see come into FC Cincinnati. We'll do more of a roster breakdown for our starting 11s. Um, We'll probably kind of switch over to every other week basis as the content gets a little bit thinner, but 
Hey guys, I mean, we got two more months bef before games start up again. Um, you know, before all this exciting stuff is happening, um, it doesn't seem like there's a dull moment like day to day. Uh, you Absolutely. know, you look at X and like the FC fans are still active on there. I think we have the most active fans in the MLS. So, um, most vocal, absolutely most vocal for sure. Um, Sam, any, any closing thoughts for 2023? No, I, I just, I look forward to continuing this podcast. Um, and, and the support that we've gotten has been really great. Um, not only from fans of the podcast, but also fellow podcasters, right. Um, from different podcasts have actually said like, Hey, you know, we really appreciate you guys continuing, you know, the FC Cincinnati community bringing different takes that we do. Um, so, yeah, once again, continue to follow us on everything. We're going to be posting on stuff. Um, and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, this isn't a goodbye. This is a see you <laughs> in two weeks. Hopefully we'll get some uh, new graphics coming out, no, coming out and coming your way. Um, can't wait to do more uh, episodes with you guys. Looking forward to it. Awesome. See you guys next time.